Welcome to episode 188 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, are you over 50, 60, 70 years old? And wondering if it's too late to begin backpacking? It's never too late. We'll share some wise words from an old mountain goat. Then, on the Summit Gear Review, an unassuming flashlight that packs a ton of power, versatility, and technology all into 23 little grams. And we'll share an easy way to cut your trash in half, mathematically. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Well, Josh and I are both in midlife. (laughs) The glamorous midlife. It's better than I expected. It's way better than we expected. But of course, we're looking forward to the future. We're looking ahead to the future and looking forward (laughs) to the future, just kind of wondering, like, what is it going to be like to be old, (laughs) like to maybe lose some of the function or the mobility that we had back when we were younger? Is it guaranteed that we'll lose mobility? Like, do we have to slow down? Do we have to get weak? and all hunched over and decrepit and wobbly? Is that just part of growing old? Or can we remain vibrant and active for the rest of our lives? I think it's a question that has a complex answer. I wish that I could just say that if I do this amount of exercise and I get this nutrition on a daily basis, then I'll always stay like I am now, never age. Right, that we'll never have any physical setbacks that will keep us from doing the things that we love. And then one illness comes along, especially when you're older, and it it knocks, it just knocks you on your back. Well, I remember both of us had the flu this year, and it took quite a while to recover. Like we were laying in bed for about two weeks, doing nothing except for maybe watching, uh, you know, bewitched reruns or something. Yeah, it knocked us flat. And to get back up to normal took well over a month to feel like we had 100% of our energy back. And the older you get, the slower that recovery becomes. Like when I was young and went on a, a really strenuous hike, I'd feel sore maybe that evening or the next day. And then a day later, I was back to normal. And now I feel sore the day after the day after the hike. (laughs) And it lasts for a couple days unless I do something about it. If I want that soreness to go away, I have to keep moving and I have to stretch. And if I just sit at my computer, I'll be sore for several days. Well, that's only going to lengthen out more as I get older. So I guess there are some things that we can do to stay active. But some people who are older might be thinking... You know, I'm already pretty sedentary. Maybe I missed my window. Maybe there's not a chance for me to get active because, look, I'm already just kind of old. Right. If you've gotten to that point where you stopped exercising and you stopped really paying attention to your nutrition, and now you're in your, say, your 50s or 60s, you might have some regrets. And you might say, ah, 
it's too late for me now. I am on that downward slope and I know what's at the bottom and there's nothing that's going to slow me down because uh, I just didn't pay enough attention to what I needed to do earlier in life. But is that really the case? Or can you turn things around? You can absolutely turn things around. I think so too. There's the, um, the evidence with smokers where uh, no matter what age you are when you stop smoking, it has like this immediate benefit. You are immediately healthier and become healthier and healthier the longer you go after stopping smoking. It doesn't matter if you quit when you were 60. Well, I, okay, it does. I mean, never smoking is healthier than smoking, but if you quit even when you're 60 years old, you get the benefits. And so I think it's the same thing with nutrition changes or movement or exercise changes in our lives. Even when we make those changes later in life, we start to immediately get those benefits. And they don't have to be massive changes. That's the beautiful thing about change, that you can start so small. You can do those little tweaks, like getting to bed a little bit earlier, turning off your screen a little bit earlier, maybe opting for a salad instead of whatever fast food you were going to eat, or incorporating more vegetables or more fruits into your diet, or just getting out on that walk just today, just opening the front door and start that walk down the street. All those little changes, those micro changes, will eventually lead you to greater health and a greater ability to accomplish your goals. Even if you think you're past the point of no return, it is never too late. So what does that have to do with backpacking? Oh, it has everything to do with backpacking. In fact, we have a special audio today from a man named Jim Klopovic, who wrote a book called The Honest Backpacker. And it's a practical guide for the rookie adventurer over 50. He really began to, I guess, take life by the horns after the age of 50 and decided that he wanted to be healthy. He wanted to have more control over his well-being in every aspect of his life. And his story is amazing. He has so much wisdom that he's gained in his quote-unquote old age. Um, he has so much energy and vitality. So we want to share his audio today, and you can hear a little bit about some of the things that he's learned. I'm Jim Klopovic, The Honest Backpacker, and that's the name of my book, which targets those hikers over 50, but in addressing our needs, you address the needs of all novice hikers. I talk about getting into nature as the gateway to so much more. In fact, it's the gateway to health, well-being, and happiness. And with those three, you're describing the human condition, body, mind, and soul. And you're also describing those things you need to work on to live a holistic life. Now, by focusing on that, you will increase your longevity, you will increase the interest you have in life, and you will increase the accomplishment you have in life. Preparing for a hike is preparing for life. You need to keep things simple. It does not have to be complicated. You only need to start out with four pieces of gear if you're brand new, a good pair of shoes, a pack with a few essential items in it, including your water or maybe a snack and first aid, and then a good set of hiking poles so that you can involve your upper body in your hike and then also a good broad brimmed hat to make sure that you're covered from sun four pieces and you're hiking then on the well-being part the mind part begin a habit of reading 
Carry a book with you wherever you go. If you're hiking, perhaps start a journal. If you're brand new at it, start uh, hiking with a local hiking club or getting out on the local trails. Do the things that make life a little more rounded. When I talk about reading, uh, read the greats. Read what they say about what it's like to enjoy friendship, what it's like to grow old, what it's like to enjoy nature. The boys 25 years ago, and they were all boys back then, <laughs> uh, they got it right. Now, uh, and then talking about the spirit of things, the soul of life, learn to give back and have fun. You need to prepare to do both. You need to know what it's like to be able to give back because then you'll do the things that make a legacy in life when you give back if it's only that you take a child 50 feet from the car with his own or her own backpack with their favorite blanket in it and a candy bar and a bottle of water you hike 50 feet to a campfire and you roast weenies you will change their life and yours so get started on hiking by being simple making sure that what you do is suitable and what you do is sustainable. Simple, we talked a little bit about the basic gear. When I mean that it's suitable, it has to be age appropriate. When you're 20 something, you can attempt uh, more vigorous hikes. As you grow older, it will be a little less vigorous. And then as you learn to hike, you wanna be a smart hiker rather than a strong hiker. A certain amount of strength is needed, of course. Uh, what I mean by smart versus strong is the smart hiker hikes slower, longer, and lighter. You don't have to hit a five-mile-an-hour pace. A mile and a half is plenty good. But by going longer, starting early in the morning, you can get the requisite number of miles in if you so choose to do a lengthy hike. And then... Um, uh, by lighter, you always want to go with the lightest gear you can. Also, concentrate on the, the art of the walk. You can actually meditate while you're hiking. We are born in a country where we are some of the most fortunate people in the world. And if we work hard, uh, retire at the usual time that folks high, uh, retire in their 50s or 60s, we can expect to spend a third of our lifetime in retirement. What will you do with that gift of time. We want to thank Jim for his audio that he shared with us. He shared that at thefirst40miles.com slash story. Any of our listeners can share their backpacking experience or their advice or stories about their first trip out. It's so inspiring to hear from each of you. We love hearing from you. So for today's top five list, we wanted to delve into Jim's book, it's called The Honest Backpacker. It's by James or Jim Klopovic. You can find it on Amazon. And it's a beginner's guide to backpacking for older people. In fact, the little quote on the front by Jennifer Farr Davis says, fills a much needed void for the folks over the age of 50 who are hitting the trail for the first time. And the number one takeaway from The Honest Backpacker is that older people can backpack. We've shared a lot on the show about taking our kids out backpacking. So, you know, it's never too early to take your kids out, but also it's never too late to get yourself out. So if you feel like you've missed some mythical imaginary window, you know, you've got to get out in your 20s in order for you to be a real backpacker or to really experience the outdoors. That's simply not true. There's no magical window. It's never too late to begin backpacking. One of the themes that I noticed in his book 
is that your approach as an older person to your first backpacking trip may be different than someone who's 20. A 20-year-old may pick up a book about backpacking and go, huh, yeah, that sounds cool. And then the next day they scrounge together some stuff and they hit the trail and they exert themselves and whatever. It, the trip happens and they come home from it and go, Hoo-hoo, okay, cool, that was fun. And I think one of his messages was, well, as you're older, you're going to spend a little more time preparing. You're going to perhaps take it a little more slowly on the trip. You're going to be a little more methodical and you're going to take care of yourself. You're not going to do something that could potentially harm you or injure you, but you can do it. The number two takeaway from the honest backpacker is preparing to hike is preparing for life. So this idea that preparing for a trip doesn't just benefit you on that specific trip, it actually broadens your mind, increases your capacity, helps you develop lifelong friendships, and helps you to create memories. So you're not just checking off boxes for this 20-mile hike or this 100-mile hike, whatever you're doing. You're actually continuing to develop yourself. And I'm a strong believer in lifelong learning. So I believe that preparing to hike is preparing for life. Definitely applies to 20-year-olds, but it equally applies to 50, 60, 70, 80 plus. You're preparing for life. I mean, you want to have that vibrant life, not just in your 20s. You want to have that excitement extend throughout your entire life. And preparing for backpacking trips injects this enthusiasm into your life, this excitement that maybe you haven't felt since you were in your 20s. We see this in our friend Steve, who's 70 this year and is preparing to hike the Oregon section of the Pacific Crest Trail. We get to do a week with him. We've, we've mentioned that. Really excited about that coming up. But it's fun to see how his preparation for the hike affects his life. I think he has an entire bedroom of the house uh, kind of like set aside for having all his gear spread out and, and all organized and everything. But he's also doing a lot to exercise to get ready for the, the strenuousness of the hike. And just a few weeks ago, he, what was it, his hamstring? Yeah. Pulled his hamstring. Well, what's the difference between a 70-year-old who pulls their hamstring and says, oh man, I'm going to have to take it easy for a few months versus a 70-year-old who pulls their hamstring and says, I need to be on the Pacific Crest Trail in two months. I've got to get over this injury. <laughs> I've got to get back to my strength. I, there's a big difference, I think. That motivation to know that he has that hike coming up that he's getting ready for, he's not going to let anything stop him. And he's going to keep moving. He's going to be careful and cautious uh, about his health, but he's going to keep moving and keep preparing. The number three takeaway from the honest backpacker is that your body is a temple. If you want to be active, do the things that healthy, active people do. So Jim focuses in his book a lot about how you treat your body. So diet, exercise. He's cut out refined sugar. He's cut out refined oil. He's cut out refined flour. So cutting out those refined things and replacing them with nutrient-dense foods, that can go a long way toward rebuilding your body. He's also personally found a lot of joy in exercise, which is important. It pushes the blood through your veins. It gets you uh, 
It gets you excited about life. We were talking just last night about how both of us need more intense exercise. We do really good at getting out for a walk every day after lunch. Well, we've just eaten lunch and we take a nice leisurely walk. And that's good for us. But last night we were talking about how maybe we should switch things up and go out right before lunch and make it a run, do something more intense before we've eaten, and then come back and have lunch. I think it could make a difference for us. We need those spurts of, like you said, getting the blood actually flowing, <laughs> getting things moving that don't always move. Yeah, and I think the way that Jim puts it is you need to sweat every day. Which I... I don't, don't sweat every I don't day. do enough. <laughs> but it's amazing that he does. I mean, it's so cool that there are people who really, uh, they physically challenge themselves. And it pays off. I want to say something really quick about diet because it's obvious and a billion people have said it already, but I think it wouldn't hurt to have one more person say it. If it's in the house, you'll eat it. So if you want to stop eating unhealthy foods, get it out of the house and fill your fridge with those beautiful fruits and vegetables and grains and legumes and the things that you know you should be eating. Plus, you'll be inspired by it. Fruits and vegetables are just beautiful. Okay, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> the number four takeaway from the Honest Backpacker. And, you know, I had a great conversation with Jim, and so I can't remember if this is in the book or if this is from our conversation, but he said that there are three things that you want to be as you age. You want to be vigorous, vital, and vertical. That's a cool perspective. Vigorous makes sense to me. You got to be moving. Vital to me, that means you need to be doing something that matters. Maybe there's other ways to define vital, but that's kind of how I think of it. Do something that matters. And vertical, yeah. I, there's the joke, you ask someone how they're doing and they say, well, I'm vertical, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, that is good. That's really good. And I know that some people run into health conditions that affect their ability to stay vertical, where they have to be seated or laying down. And as those conditions come on, it just compounds the difficulty of staying healthy. The longer you can stay vertical, the better. I want to read a little section from The Honest Backpacker. Because even though it's important to be vigorous, vital, and vertical, Jim brings up a really good point here. He says, Another important thing to internalize is that we are not meant to last forever. Furthermore, it is not a good idea to try to beat aging. It is going to happen. It is genuinely good to grow old, hopefully with a few marbles, some grace, and some capability left. But we should do what we can to face what is arguably the best years of our lives with as much energy, ability, enthusiasm, realism, and humility as dictated by our God-given lot. The number five takeaway from the Honest Backpacker is the three keys for backpacking as you get older. Jim says you need to walk slower, longer, and pack lighter. So you just need to change, have that little paradigm shift in how you hike, that it's okay to walk a little bit slower. So you need to plan that into your trip. It's okay to take a little bit longer to do things, be a little more methodical, careful, and then focus on packing lighter. That'll help your knees. It'll help your balance if you lighten your load a little bit. Remember the other evening I asked you a question, I, I said, 
Do you think that we lose our speed faster than we lose our endurance as we get older? Because I've been looking at our kids. Look at little kids. They have all kinds of speed. They just run around like crazy and then they, they go to sleep. <laughs> like, you know, uh, they just, if you take them on a hike of a mile or two, that's going to be really hard for them because they'll start out extremely energetic and then they'll kind of peter out after a few minutes. And it's hard to just keep on going for that whole mile or two. And then as they get older, of course, now our teenagers are at the age where they can outrun us for sure. And maybe they can outendure us, but I don't know. I don't really know. And then you look at long distance running races. There's actually a whole range of ages of people that participate in those races because there it's less about the speed and more about the endurance. It's how long can you go? I think Jim is saying, as you get older, when you go backpacking, it's going to be less about the speed, but you can do the endurance. As an older backpacker, you can still keep on hiking. You may slow down. It may be a really kind of plodding pace of one mile per hour, but you can keep on going. That's what you can do. You can endure. And Jim also gives some really just nuts and bolts practical advice about your pack. And he just says flat out, get your pack under 35 pounds, including water and food. Get it down light enough, and you'll thank yourself at the end of the trip. So I appreciated Jim's perspective on backpacking into your 50s, 60s, 70s. It can be done. It's never too late to start. Jim is proof of that, and he gives some really great advice in this book. And we will have the link for the Honest Backpacker book in today's show notes, which are at thefirst40miles.com slash 188. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Phoenix EO5 flashlight. This is a keychain light with a very high lumen output. For structure, the Phoenix EO5 flashlight has a broad beam lens. That means you're gonna get that nice, soft, even beam. Even if you're using the flashlight for like reading a book or looking at a map, you're not gonna get this pinpoint laser light. It's gonna be nice and soft. The exterior is made of durable aircraft grade aluminum and it has a hard anodized anti-abrasive finish. It has kind of this cross-hatching pattern on it. So it has that no slip grip. And then to turn it on, it has a twist switch, which unless you read the user's manual, which seems like a ridiculous thing to do with a flashlight, because most flashlights are pretty straightforward. You push the button or you twist it and it turns on. But this actually has some technology built into it that is not apparent at first glance. So if you turn the flashlight on, you're going to get the lowest lumen output, which is eight lumens, which is perfect. That's really all you need for your nighttime activities, you know, putting things back in your pack or reading a book. You just need low lumen output. Plus using this flashlight on its lowest setting won't ruin your night vision. And it makes the battery last even longer. However, if you turn the flashlight on and then off and then back on again, you get to the medium setting, which is 25 lumens, which is helpful if you forgot to set up your tent or your hammock and you just need a little extra light to help you figure out if you've picked a good campsite. Then to reach the high setting, you turn the light on and off three times and you get to 85 lumens. Now this setting is great if you're going to be doing some night hiking. 85 lumens is enough to illuminate your path. 
But you better be hiking for less than an hour because that's all the battery's going to last. Right. And actually, to conserve battery, it'll stay on 85 lumens for three minutes solid, and then it automatically bumps down to 25 lumens. So, uh, so you would have to flip it back up to 85 again every three minutes if you were using it for that long, which right. we, we usually don't use our flashlights or headlamps on high power for very long. It's just a certain task, like maybe you're trying to see something far away in the distance for a minute, and then you're done. You can go back to low. If you use your flashlight on low, the battery will last for 15 hours. If you use it in the mid-range, it'll last for about four hours. And if you use it on the highest range, it'll last for about 45 minutes. It comes with an LED that has a lifespan of 50,000 hours. So thinking about how often I use my headlamp or flashlight, that's like... 50,000 years. <laughs> I mean, it'd be such a long time. You're never going to have to replace it because of the light. It's waterproof to the IPX8 standard, which means it can last up to 30 minutes underwater, up to six and a half feet or two meters deep. And it has a flat bottom so you can stand it upright. Just use it kind of like a candle. Stick it in a cupcake. Okay. Just like a candle. <laughs> For mass, the flashlight alone weighs 0.44 ounces or 12.5 grams. And even after you add the battery, you're still under an ounce for this little flashlight. And the Phoenix EO5 measures 2.63 inches in length and 0.6 inches in diameter, which means it's about the size, actually smaller than a little thing of lip balm. For maintenance, the flashlight is not in and of itself rechargeable. You can either put in a AAA alkaline battery and just replace it when it wears out, uh, or you could use a rechargeable nickel metal hydride battery, but it'll need to be charged in a charger. And there is a difference between alkaline and nickel metal hydride use. So alkaline batteries are better for low drain. So if you're going to use this flashlight on low, go for alkaline. But if you plan on using it on high, then nickel metal hydride is better and you'll get more time than you would out of an alkaline battery. Also, avoid using cheap batteries, which tend to corrode or rust or have that leakage problem. We have a friend who said her flashlight was wrecked by using just a discount battery, and they hadn't had problems in the past with this discount brand, and uh, this is the first time they had a real problem, and so they're switching back to Duracell or Energizer because they're more trusted brands. Yeah, and since this thing is going to last, I mean, if I use it on low, it's going to last 15 hours. So figure using it maybe an hour per night of backpacking tops, then we're talking 15 nights of backpacking on one battery. The difference between 50 cents and a dollar for the battery, yeah, get a good battery. It's probably going to last longer and is not going to have that risk of, of leaking. For investment, this flashlight is $20. And for trial, I love flashlights that start out on low. They preserve battery life and they don't blind you. So the Phoenix EO5 defaults to the lowest setting, which is that eight lumen setting. But the other brightness settings are easily accessible. I love that. And it actually doesn't matter how long you have the flashlight on. Um, like say I have it on low and I'm like, ooh, I need some extra light. I can turn it off and turn it back on again really quickly, and it'll go to the mid setting. So I like that it cycles through those three brightness levels really easily. We've reviewed a couple different headlamps from Yuko, and that's been what you've loved about those headlamps. They start on low, 
instead of being on high as soon as you immediately turn them on. It's great. I think the only uh, complaint I might have about this light is the LED light output seems kind of bluish to me. More like that old Petzl that I have that I mentioned a few episodes ago, whereas the Yuko that we reviewed in that episode I think had a, a more what I would perceive as white light. This flashlight has a little key ring hole in it so you can easily attach this to your pack with a carabiner. The Phoenix EO5 comes in blue, black, or purple. And we'll have a link in today's show notes for this flashlight at thefirst40miles.com slash 188. For today's backpack hack of the week, one-piece trash. Our kids learned this concept from the leaders at the Philmont Scout Ranch in New Mexico. They were out on mountain trek experiences with a group and, you know, they would stop along the way for their campsites and or for their meals during the day. And of course, it was really important to make sure that they didn't leave any litter behind after spending the night or after stopping for a meal. And so their hike leaders shared this trick with them that helped them to make sure that they reduced that little tiny litter that gets left, the little corner of a package or the little piece of shiny foil from something, the little tiny things that are so easily lost and they just end up in the dirt. And then it's funny when the sun shines just right or whatever, it just sticks out like a sore thumb and you realize that the wilderness is not quite completely wild. So whenever you're opening something, don't tear off the corner or rip off the top because this creates two pieces of trash. Instead, open the package in such a way that there are no small corners or tiny pieces of micro trash. This means you might need to practice on a granola bar, <laughs> opening it in a way that leaves that little corner intact or just slice it open a different way. So while this hack doesn't actually cut the weight of your trash in half, it will mathematically cut the pieces of trash that you produce in half. You can consider it a game or a challenge, but hopefully this little hack will help reduce that micro trash on the trail. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Shannon L. Alder. She said, you don't have to say everything to be a light. Sometimes a fire built on a hill will bring interested people to your campfire. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. You can order our most recent children's book, Backpacker ABCs, on Amazon or iTunes. We'll see you next time on the first 40 miles. Shannon Adler. Shannon L. Adler. Alder. Alder. How come? What? Oh, my. <laughs>